Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, around the world, welcome to a very special Spurs show because we're live here at the Albany in London's glamorous West End. And joining me tonight, well, joining us later, very excitingly, we've got Razor Ruddock in the house. So we're looking forward to that. It'll be a special show which we will uh, uh, release in the coming days, but... Before that, we have urgent business to attend to, so I've got a heavyweight panel with me here. Uh, to my right, one of the longest-serving members of the Spurs show squad, a man with the white blood of Spurs coursing through his veins, Mr. Rob White. Hello, Rob. Hello, Theo. Hello, all. Nice to be here. And to my left, one of the great sages of English soccer, the football writer, journalist and font of all knowledge, Mr. Martin Lipton. <laughs> Hi, Martin. I, I'm not sure that any of those actually fit, but I'll take them. <laughs> I forgot to say soothsayer, which I recently found out you're also a, an extraordinary predictor of the future. But we won't get into that. We <laughs> if won't only get into I was. Well, maybe we will. <laughs> maybe we will. Uh, so, lots going on in the world of Tottenham. Uh, we're all feeling quite chipper because, and we might as well get onto it first, put ourselves in a good mood. Uh, we saw off the happy hammers at the weekend. You know, what I would call a routine victory. No great drama. A rather uh, nondescript first half was followed by a slight upping of the pace by us and they couldn't live with us. Two really good goals, I thought. And uh, in this extraordinary up and down topsy-turvy season, suddenly we all, we're all smiling again after that debacle at Leicester. Rob, what did you make of it? Pretty much what you've just summed up, actually. Uh, yeah, a very. I thought it was a very flat first half. Um, we just sort of took a long while to get going. We seemed to kick the ball at a different pace to everyone else. It's like physics gone wrong, actually, I think. <laughs> and um, I think the ball seems heavier when we've got it. And it, it, um, But then, yeah, like you said, second half was good. Uh, I'm still not sure Emerson Royale would have scored that goal if Conte had been on... on is that Conte on the phone? <laughs> I'm, I, I don't think uh, Emerson Royale would have scored that goal if Conte had been in situ. Why did you say that? Just because I think, I think he would have... He, uh, what was he doing in that position in the first place? Yeah, I mean, Emerson Royale, I'm glad you brought him up because 
I mean, he was vilified, wasn't he, for the first half of the season. He was getting more stick than old uh, Terry Fennick used to get at right back. At, <laughs> as I, at the, as, I mean, he must have been the most abused right back since Terry Fennick, I reckon. But I always felt, I'm not, I always felt like the one thing you couldn't fault him for was commitment. But suddenly, he's, pra- he's practically man of the match in, in every game at the moment. What, what's happened there, Martin? Do you think that's the absence of Conte? I think it's the presence of Poro, actually. I mean, right. he suddenly fears, he thought he was first choice. He, someone's come in who ostensibly will replace him as first choice. And he's just changed his, his mentality. I think he's always been actually a pretty secure defender. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, yeah. He, he, if he crossed the halfway line, he got a nosebleed, didn't he? That was the problem. And his delivery was worse than my postman. And <laughs> and therein lies the, the issue, I think, that we've lost, you want a system that with wing-backs, the wing-backs have got to be a really important attacking weapon. Yeah. And you, if you, your birds don't fly with one wing and teams don't fly with one wing-back, you've got to have them both going forward and creating. And his delivery is, has been hopeless mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a lack of commitment. I don't think it's a lack of endeavour or, or desire. It's just it's not his skill set. He's a... He's probably actually better as a defender in a four, you always feel. Mm, yeah, yeah. And you're, you're a fullback, stop them rather than create. And the way we, the shape needs him to create. Yeah. And it's not his game. Yeah. And I think that, you know, but he does appear to have been revitalised. I thought he played outstandingly against their best player on the day, Grealish, the other week, the yeah. City game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got away with a couple of dodgy tackles, yeah. but you can do that at home. Yeah. And then Poro comes in at Leicester and has a shocker, let's be honest. It was like suddenly, welcome to the real world. He, he struggled. And, I mean, Emerson wasn't the reason they lost at Milan. And on, on, on Sunday, he was solid defensively and got forward. And you could see him being, it seemed, you know, galvanised and, and liberated. Yeah. Now, I think it's an argument that he, he feels inhibited by, by the manager, perhaps. Yeah. But I think they all do. And this is my, you know... I, I'm a bit eeyore at the moment because I've, I, I've had enough of being positive when I, when I don't see it. So I'm, I'm, I'll be a bit more negative than I, I might normally be. It just feels like this is going to be one of those seasons where we all know it's the end of a cycle. Of the, the manager's probably going to go at the end of the year and everyone's looking and expecting a change. And it doesn't mean that we won't end up in the top four. Whereas at Christmas, when I was here before Christmas, I thought... The only team that could stop Tottenham finishing top four was Tottenham, and, and I'm worried that that's what's going to happen now. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I thought we'd be comfortably top four because of the, the what we had going forward. Yeah. And it's been, I mean, if you look at the results across that period of games, they're not that bad overall. Yeah. yeah. But if anyone tells you they've been convinced by the way they played, I'm, uh, either they're delusional or liars. Yeah. Well, we've, we've Conti's not with us. He's uh, recuperating in Milan. Uh, the team seems to be, as you say, freed up. Do you think uh, this is just the, the, the Conti reign uh, just playing out its final act? I, yes, is the answer. And it, it wouldn't surprise me. And I've got no inside information on this. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't come back this season. That doesn't mean he won't. doesn't mean he doesn't want to. And I do think we've got to take into account the fact that his circumstances have, have changed. A, he's, he has been clearly ill. And uh, this is, you know, he's had, a, he's had a major operation. He feels debilitated by other things that have gone on. At, on a personal level, he's seen three of his mates die this year. 
And he's in his 50s, and as people in their 50s will tell you, and quite a few of us are probably in our 50s here, including myself, you start to reevaluate. And I think he's just thinking to himself, I spent, I've been so committed to my job for so long. Where are my family? They're not here. Where do I want to be now with my family? And we shouldn't criticise him for a natural human reaction, even though you want to, because, well, you shouldn't you be committed to the club more than anything else? Well, footballers, managers aren't like fans. They, it's a job. They don't, it's a transactional arrangement. And sometimes you've got to accept that the human instinct takes over. And I just think he wants to be back in Italy, not because he doesn't want to be manager of Spurs, but because he wants to be back in Italy yeah. and surrounded by the people who care for him most. And no fan cares for him as much as his wife and his kids do. That's just normal and natural. Yeah. There's a rumour went round this week, Rob, that uh, Pochettino was sounded out for the Chelsea job and he said he didn't want it. And the feeling was perhaps he said he didn't want it because he's keeping himself available for Tottenham Hotspur. We've also heard rumours uh, that Conti's relationship with the... Uh, with people like uh, Donna Marie Cullen and uh, Daniel Levy, isn't that harmonious anyway? Mm -hmm. And when you put two and two together, you wonder whether this is all, there's an inevitability about this, that Conti will go and that Poch will come back. Do you think that's likely? And if so, are you in favour? No comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like, a, it is, the more you think about it, it's like, some, it's like a bizarre soap opera, really. Yeah. Um, and again, at Tottenham, it's sort of bizarre in a way that you couldn't particularly make it up. Where he, the stuff you just listed, Martin, where um, you know Conte has three friends that die, um, which in itself is, a, is a, you know it's like a horrible. Mm. And two of them prematurely. One of yeah, them was, yeah. was older, yeah, but yeah. two of them were in the in um, his age group. I, I think though, I think he's been trying to engineer a way out of the club, in the same way that Mourinho was trying to engineer a way out of a club. And let's, you know, let's be honest, these guys are, are, are really good, really professional at what they do. But they're not just professional at management, they're professional about the politics of football and the mm. politics of football club and how you manoeuvre yourself out of a club without basically having to, with, by getting, getting fired rather than resigning. Yeah, it, it, the thing that I've always thought about Conte is that he only signed that short contract. He signed a contract that was less than two years, less than two seasons. It was just the end of last season, the remainder of last season. And the whole of this season, which I always thought, maybe I'm naive, but I thought that was a really honourable thing. Because as I read it, most managers get as long as they can because then they know when and if they get fired, that, that maximises their payoff. But he doesn't do that because he, he wants to be able to honourably just walk away. So if he actually wanted to walk away now, he could do so without any great problems for anyone, couldn't he? Yeah, I, I don't think that's... I think he feels he has a commitment and, he, and it's not... Be, I think without the illness, without the operation, we wouldn't be having this part of the conversation. Right. We'd have, be having the second part of the conversation, which is, will he be here next season? Yeah, yeah. And I think the general mood in this room and the general mood amongst most supporters, I think the general view of most people is probably he won't be. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he's bad or awful or terrible, although some of yeah. the football's been stultifyingly dull, I think it's fair to say. But it's just what is. I think he is committed to the job, yeah. but it's not the be-all and end of his life anymore. You know what I find fascinating, of course, is that the away fans pretty much <laughs> all season have been singing Daniel Levy, get out of our club, and Antonio, Antonio, Antonio. He eats spaghetti, he drinks his... and all that. But 
Well, in this room, let's just have a show of hands. Who wants Conti to be here next season? Me. <laughs> Razor Ruddock plus one and another fella right three. at the back. <laughs> Two, three, three. A very, 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 very uh, low amount. I want him to go. I want Klopp to come. Get him out of fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Razor wants Klopp. Well, he will, but he could well be available, of course. How many people would like to see, above any other candidates, Pochettino back? So that's about half the room, maybe a bit more than half the room. So even that isn't unanimous. So. It hasn't. No, I mean you, the obvious example, Kendall. But, you know, you, you, I suppose, I bet Moyes probably did work a second time initially at West Ham. Yeah. But the issue, I guess, at Tottenham is what sort of club does the manager walk back into? Yeah. What relationship does he have with, with the players? I, I did think when Pochettino left that it would have been better, rather than sacking him, to give him a sabbatical to the end of that season. They come back in... July, because you're, you're just shattered, pal. Mm. But do you, do you not think the more important thing is what relationship he has with the chairman? Yeah, absolutely. But he's yeah. got a better relationship with the chairman because he knows. But this time round. Well, he might have a bit more strength, you never know, in that he, before, he was a manager who'd not won anything. Now, yeah. whatever you think, oh, it's easy to win in France. Yeah. This season, they're not finding it that easy under Gautier. Yeah. Um, they should win every. They should win all the time. Yeah. Um, he has actually won something as a, as a manager, albeit it is the the least of the five leagues. He's still being in demand and being tapped up by Chelsea, lots of clubs. Allegedly, but isn't it a bit weird from Daniel Levy? I mean, no, football's a strange business. But if Daniel Levy hires him back, isn't that okay? Daniel Levy had to pay him millions and millions of pounds to go away, and then he'd have to pay him millions and it's millions just, of pounds. It is the man. It's the football, isn't it? To I be mean, fair, we, we, but we, we, we got, Spurs have got to turn over. Well, this season will be over five hundred million pounds wow. yeah. with uh, wages to revenue of less than fifty percent. They've got far more money to spend as a pro rata than any other club. A few million, I know it's ridiculous to us. It's neither here nor there. A few, five million pounds is a genuine drop in the ocean. Yeah. Because it isn't just one year they're going to get that revenue. Yeah. Even in a bad year, the revenue is 400 million. It's, you know, it's the, the scale of the club now is, is so vast compared to at any time in, that, in the club's history that money's almost an irrelevance. I know it's stupid and it shouldn't be, but it's, but it's, it's pretty, yeah. But it, the question is where you spend it. Yeah. But, it, you know, it Spurs will be, with the changes in UEFA regulations, better placed than anybody because of the long-term historical position they're in. You know, we're going down to clubs in three years only being allowed to spend 70% of revenues on wages and transfers. Spurs have never been near 70% of revenues on wages and transfers in the, the modern era, in the last 15 years. Yeah. So their, their position, they're far more tailored to the new financial regimen than well, any other club. What that, what that neatly brings us to is, is talk of the possible future ownership of the club. So when we come back from this break, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Champions League, because, of course, we haven't had a show since the Milan 
game and we'll look forward to the Chelsea game. Right, we're back from the break. Our monthly London live shows are up and running, and here is the proof. There's loads of people here. There's loads of people here. <laughs> There's loads of people here, and so they are fully up and running. You can sign up and join us at season.spursshow.net, and I can announce tonight that David Pleat is coming back on March the 27th for the uh, 22nd, March the 22nd for the next show. David Pleat was a fantastic guest, and we felt like we'd only scraped the surface of... Uh, his stories and everything he had to tell us. So he's coming back on the 22nd. We're looking forward to that. For premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews, and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please, it says here, leave us a nice review on iTunes. Next week, we're joined by Simon Sheffer and Barnaby Slater. Right. Let's just briefly cover the Champions League because I felt, I don't know what you've thought, Rob, but I felt Spurs played well in Milan, uh, could easily have got a better result. And actually the result itself leaves it really nicely poised for the second leg, yeah. losing 1-0. Yeah? Absolutely agree. I think it was, uh, especially when you think of the start, it, I, di I didn't go to the game, um, but it did remind me of when I did go to see uh, to San Siro and we lost 4-3. Um, and, you know, you're just waiting for them to score again and our goalie to be sent off and... Um, yeah, so I think from where we were after, what was it, five minutes, seven minutes, uh, I thought it was a, a pretty good performance, actually. I think with a little bit more, more self-belief and a little bit more of a, just an attacking mindset, I think we, we could well have got something out of the game. Mm -hmm. But actually, uh, like, I know people have been saying this about a nightmare time for English clubs in, in the Champions League and lumping our defeat in with Liverpool's defeat. Um, yeah. I heard it today on... Yeah. on I think it was Sky Sports or something. Chelsea lost as well, didn't Yeah, it? Chelsea lost as well. But actually, 1-0 yeah. away from home, especially as there's no away goals this season, yeah, yeah. really does make a difference. And I thought I thought Saar was great. Skip I was going to say. Um, there were some really good performances. Yeah, the, the big alarm bells were about central midfield. Understandably, Hoybier uh, suspended and Benton Kurt and Basuma injured. So you think we put a callow midfield in who haven't got a Champions League game between mm -hmm. them. They were absolutely outstanding, they weren't were, they? They were excellent, the pair of them. I think it was a strange game because... For 80 minutes, Spurs didn't deserve to be losing. Yeah. And then overall, they could have lost 3-0. I mean, they've missed two absolute sitters in the last 10, which would have killed the tie. So I'll take a 1-0 defeat from yeah. a pretty ordinary performance, yeah. in truth. And home advantage, I'll tell you the difference. When Cher kicks Kane up in the air for the third time, he'll be sent off, as opposed to not even being booked. Because yeah. it, the, the fans will have an impact on the way the referee runs that game. And that's the way Cher will play. He will be physical. He's, he's allowed to be physical, but he's going to be booked early and he'll be sent off. And that, so he can't be as tight on Kane as he was because he won't get away with it. Um, no Dyer, which will be interesting for that, yeah. for that game. But I don't think too many people will be devastated <laughs> at that. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was generally a, a, an okay performance in the circumstance without playing particularly well. I think there was a little bit of shell shock still from the Leicester game. Yeah. They were recovering from that. And the, the conceding the goal so early didn't help in terms of moving forward. Yeah. But they got through it. They're still in the tie in their own hands. If you've been offered a 1-0 defeat before the game, you probably take it. Yeah. Particularly, as, as Rob said, with no away goals rule. So even if they score one... 
we've still got to score two. We haven't got, got to score three. Go, yeah. You know, it goes to extra time. Then it, it does change. What interesting feat, uh, UEFA did a study of the Champions League last season, the first year without the way goals rule. And the, at surprise, surprise, the key thing is to score first in the second leg. You score that. If you score first, you tend to win the game. So there's your answer, really. Score first. That'd be nice. Lots of uh, rumours flying around about takeovers generally in the Premier League at the moment. Manchester United, Liverpool and Tottenham as well. Any, anything to, have you heard anything, Martin? Right. So um, what's interesting, the chap, the um, American-Iranian chap who runs the is it baseball team, basketball team, I can't remember, one of those anyhow. Um, so his name is Jam Najafi. He's absolutely kosher. Well, obviously not. So he's a genuine sports fan, not necessarily a football fan, but he's made all these investments in uh, McLaren F1, in uh, the v Augsburg and other, other teams. His partner is a chap called Jeff Morad, who actually is a Tottenham fan, according to people at McLaren who I spoke to. So I'm sure that's right. They, that was mentioned to me. Because I spoke, I know someone who's now at McLaren who used to be in another role. And he is a genuine uh, Tottenham supporter. Whether that means there's going to be a full bid is less clear. There's certainly interest. The issue then is, is the interest at the level in which Enik will be interested in selling or partially selling or whatever? I think that Joe Lewis is more willing to sell than, than Daniel. Because what does Daniel do after Tottenham? comes director of football. Well, that's what he wants. But that's probably what he wants. <laughs> he, he would want, even yeah. in a, yeah, I think yeah. even in a, set, in, in a sale, he would want to still be Thank involved. Yeah. And then, so then he's talking about much better off selling a stake rather than the whole thing because he, he could get fired if he sold the whole thing. And so, I mean, he's probably got, would. he's got 20%, Daniel, 20, 20 I think, I think it's something like that. He's got a decent Perfect. chunk, but he hasn't got the full. I mean, Joe Lewis has got the vast majority. Yeah. The club are insistent, well, they would be, wouldn't they, that they're not for sale. Well, yeah. you, don't, you, yeah. you say that if you, don't, yeah. if you want to bump up the yeah. price. Yeah. And there's also the issue of all of the planning permission they've got for the other things around, mm -hmm. they are valuable. So maybe any sale negotiation is about the club separate to the land and the planning permission or a deal about share of profit from the development, that's all potential. Yeah. But it's clear that there's interest from Najafi. Whether it's going to be the, the whole thing is, is less clear. The Qataris are interested in taking a stake, and if they don't get united, they will be back in at, at Tottenham. I wondered whether there was, you will know more about this being, being in the press, but I wondered whether there was anything to do with the United bid that came later, a week later, whether the, 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 the Spurs story was almost like, Smokescreen or trying to trying to drag people out. It's different Qataris. Okay. So the conversation with Daniel Levy was uh, Nasser Al Khalifi, who is the president of PSG, the head of QSI, and on the board of QIB, which is QIA, which is the, the overarching investment authority. This fellow Sheikh Jassim is a member of the royal family, which Al Khalifi isn't, but he is the one of fifteen sons of the sort of outcast former prime minister who fell out of favour with the emir. But they're all part of the Altani family, which is, there's hundreds of them, let's be honest. It's a lot, it's a big family mm. over multi-generations. So this is a separate 
bid to the conversations that Khalif, Al Khalifi had. However, the reality is the primary source of the funds is the same. It all comes back to the Qatari mm -hmm. royal family, Qatari investment authority. So there's a little bit of, of that potentially. But I think it's certainly that the, the, Q, the QSI thing is they still are interested in taking a 10% or 15% share in Spurs. Because, and that would potentially see them eventually flip, potentially, PSG for the English investment because right. they couldn't do both. Yeah. If UEFA clears this Qatari and say there's no link with PSG, then it becomes a bit more complicated because could they would perhaps, the Premier League would argue that they are the same entity and therefore they couldn't take more than 10% of Tottenham because of that conflict of interest. So it's, it's, it's a little bit unclear. Well, it's, that's, sorry, <laughs> it's a bit complicated. It is complicated. It is complicated. Let's talk about football again. Let's talk about this forthcoming game against Chelsea. Now, Chelsea are having a, a nightmare season, of course. I think they've won two in the last 14 or 15 games in all competitions, which is just incredible. Of course, we're all, that makes us all very nervous. Dexter, doc, Dr. Tottenham. Yeah, very, very <laughs> nervous. Step forward, Dr. Tottenham. I mean, and then the last two or three games, from what I understand, I haven't watched any of them live, but Chelsea have got all these incredibly expensive fancy Dan footballers who have got beautiful touch and technique, have been playing beautifully, but have got absolutely no one to stick it in the net. Does that worry you, Rob? No, not no. at all. No, no, uh, slightly, but uh, no, I've, se I've seen them play and they do play really nice football up to a certain point. But, yeah. uh, but sooner or later, so th those chances are going to go well, in. I'm not they? sure they are really. Why, why, why do you say that? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm a Spurs fan and we oh, got okay. them on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that Jao Felix, for example, what a good footballer he is. Yeah, yeah, they, I, I mean, mean, they've got You know, the other one they just bought for under a million, Hernandez. Crikey, he's a good footballer. And then the, there's the Ukrainian who you think at some point is going to do... He already shown a few flashes, hasn't he? And you just think, you know, Mudrik. He, he looked good against Liverpool. He hasn't looked great since. I mean, yeah. they've got a big issue because they've got 33 players, which is big, of whom quite a few are under 21 now, won't be next season. So they've got to have a... There's a lot of players know they're going to be booted in the summer. They have to be. They've got... Uh, Nkonko coming in, so a number one, he takes over. There's a lot of players who don't know where they are. Mount's got the hump because he hasn't got been off of the contract he, he wants. The fans are ready to turn on Potter at the drop of a hat. They've decided he's not good enough. Now, I actually think he's got something... He's a, too good a job everywhere else he's been yeah. to be a bad manager. But he's inherited a dressing room that wasn't designed for him. I don't think he's entirely consulted over all of these players. They're just, he's just been given them. So he's got to juggle. And I think this, the proof of that was Ziyech, who the club decided they wanted to punt off to PSG. That <laughs> fell through because they made a mess of the paperwork. Yeah. And in the next game, he, he plays. plays him. Yeah. So this is like, come on, I'm picking my players. He obviously didn't want him out in the first place. Yeah. So it's a... So can they, I mean, are, how do you see it? I mean, you, it's impossible, isn't it, on Sunday? Because uh, if they all clicked, they are they might click. If they click, they're, they're for, as formidable as any team you would think. The frustration is we have, you know, the record against City is at home is remarkable. Yeah. Look at the record against Chelsea at home. It's, since the new ground, it's been been poor. They've, I think they've, it's two, two defeats and a draw, maybe three defeats and a draw. It's not been clever. 
Um, we haven't played well against them. We beat them in the League Cup on the penalty shootout, didn't we? That's the other one. But they haven't lost at our ground yet, and it's about time they bloody well did, actually. Uh, we need... If Tottenham do win on Sunday, that absolutely kills Chelsea. They've any remaining chance of getting into the top seven is pretty much gone, I think. So they are suddenly looking at a massive black hole of 100 million in revenues next year because they miss out on what they would have got this year by 20 million in the Premier League. They miss out on 80 million in the Champions League. They've got to sell four more players than they want when they wanted to. It's a it's an existential crisis in many ways in terms of that that squad and where it goes. This is did you a see, real chance to really turn the screw. Did you see that story about Todd Bowley telling uh, I don't know if it was journalists or some other investors where they're saying Todd, you're spending all this money. You must be worried. And he said, Don't worry because Chelsea are automatically in the Champions League every year, and that's a big revenue generator. So we're, we're covered. We've done all the sums. And they said, No, Todd, that's yeah. not how it works. I'm, I'm told it was agents went in to see him, right. um, and I'm also told it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? That, 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 at that level, the stupidity of people stumbling around, billionaires stumbling around, not actually doing their homework to that extent. It, it is staggering. But, he, you know, there was also the talk of playing, you know, why can't we play with, a, with 12 men? <laughs> yeah, he, he suggested a formation yeah. of... Four, four, three or yeah, something. Four, four, yeah, four, four, we play yeah. four, four, three. That's not that far off what we've heard from stories of Alan Sugar. I can believe it. Yeah. Things from sugar, and that's thirty years ago. Razor is just sticking up. Well, I, I heard. I heard. So there's, a, there's a great story Steve Perryman tells about. There's a great story that Steve Perryman tells about him being in a meeting and sugar looking at and seeing uh, things saying referees' expenses, travel expenses, and sugar saying, "Why are we paying travel expenses for referees?" Surely there are referees in London that we could use. <laughs> <laughs> that was a genuine story. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Somehow, with Sugar, never claimed to be any have any expertise, did he? He just came and sort of well, rescued the club. Bowley come, but Bowley's like acting like he's a director of football. And he understands. He's suggesting formations. It's stuff. what is really interesting. So I've had a couple of conversations with some senior figures, shall we say, in European football, and you would not believe how scathing they are. Of right. Bowley. Right. Like, the, there's people who, who genuinely think the man is a buffoon. <laughs> which I, I don't think he can be. Well. He can't, but he can't be. You know, he's done, he's done a reason. If you look at what he's done, this is why the, the Hill Sack Potter argument might be at variance with the truth. He's kept the same manager of the Dodgers since 2016. The one he inherited lasted four years. He doesn't like, he's, so he's got, you know, he, he's made the managerial change with. Tuchel going, despite giving Tuchel the player that Tuchel demanded two days before he sacked him in Aubameyang. I don't quite understand that one because yeah. clearly he's got no future. Yeah. The likelihood is he's genuine about sticking with Potter. But he's used to a closed system where there's no price paid for being rubbish because you're going to be able to play 162 games next season in the, in the uh, MLB. And you'll play all your games against the Yankees and the Boston Doovies and the whatever. You know, doesn't change. You just, this is different. You don't play Real Madrid next season or Barcelona or anyone if you're not in the Champions League. You know, and if you're lucky, you're in the conference. You're playing the champions of Luxembourg. That's going to really sell out Stamford Bridge, isn't it? <laughs> so 
it suddenly changed. The, the, the dynamics and the economics are very, very different. And it could bring a handbrake turn in terms of the, we're sticking with a manager because they suddenly realise that things aren't quite as easy as they thought. Well, let's, I mean, I think we, if this, everything you're saying is bad news for Chelsea, and I think we can all celebrate that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially this week of all weeks. We're going to wrap it up now because we've got Razor Ruddock coming up very, very soon. But before we do that, gentlemen, as you know, this is the dreaded time for predictions, which I have to insist you make. Uh, Robert, what's the, what's the score against Chelsea on Sunday? 3-2. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh, we? You can say it too. Well, I was going to say, say to well. Spurs. Yeah, so am I. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> Martin? I told you I'm here. One all draw. One all. OK. Two three twos and a one all. That brings this Spurs show to an end. All that remains for me to say to Martin Lipton and Rob White is thank you very much. And go you Spurs! <laughs> If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.